I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. going on everybody welcome back to the celtics pod podcast another special interview today i'm joined by the sports rabbi from over in israel to talk everything yam madaf so from when he was still playing in the israeli league to when he was drafted all the way up until now how's it going today josh thanks for joining. doing well doing well no complaints thank god everything's all right beautiful weather i'm actually sitting on my balcony so you get to see the you get to see the jerusalem stone in the background a little bit of our SportsRabbi.com paraphernalia over there as well. So uh, no complaints, no complaints. It's a good life when the weather's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I've just not long got back from Spain and adjusting back to the English weather is, uh, it's not, <laughs> not fun at all. So, um, yeah, so we'll jump straight in. So you've covered Yarm from pretty much his entire professional career. How did that, how did that relationship begin? Uh, it was just, you know, natural, uh, nothing, uh, nothing extraordinary, uh, just going to games and, and seeing him play. Uh, you know, you see him play as a, as a kid and it just keeps, you know, through the youth ranks. And then of course, as a, as a professional with a pole Tel Aviv and, you know, eventually with the Israel, the under 20 Israel national team, where we got to really get to know him uh, very well with him and Denny Avdia. Uh, and then of course, um, you know, this past year in partisan, I just came back from the Czech Republic. I was in Prague, uh, hence the uh, the Sparta Prague hockey T-shirt over here. And I got to see Israel play in the the Eurobasket. Unfortunately, it didn't end the way it started. It started with two wins, and then it kind of went to three straight losses, and they got booted from the tournament. Uh, but we got to see Yamadar, who was uh, arguably the Israel's best and most consistent player uh, during the tournament itself, which was you know very good to see especially over the last four games. Uh, the first game, I guess the coach is trying to feel out to see where he wanted to go. He'd still been trying to figure out what his lineups were going to be, and we can get into that in a little bit. Uh, but, you know, games two through five, he was definitely a significant factor. And when you put him and Denny Avdi on the court together, both of them will say that they have magic. They've played with each other throughout the youth ranks. And um, you can see that. You can see the relationship as they uh, they played extremely well together. But uh, wasn't enough for the Israel team to get through a, a pretty tough group with uh, Serbia, who ended up getting knocked out in the uh, knockout rounds, and uh, Czech Republic, and you see Poland. Everybody thought Poland was a pretty easy team, but meanwhile, they're playing in the semifinals of the Eurobasket, so they couldn't have been too bad, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, if you've got a tough run, you've got a tough run, and that, that, I think that's the thing with like European basketball overall, is like, Every team is so fundamentally sound that even when you think it's an easy out, it's never an easy out. Never an easy out in European basketball. You never quite know what you're going to get. You never quite know what you're going to see on the court. You never quite know in a 40-minute game, which is very different than a 48-minute game. We have to remember that. The NBA, we're used to 48 minutes. We're used to you know long breaks during the game itself, lots of commercial breaks. You don't have that. You don't have the downtime can't call timeouts during the flow of play. European basketball is very tough. Uh, there's no question about it. It's not easy. And um, you'll see that uh, aspect play out where primarily the teams that get through are really the teams, teams that play like teams. And that's what you see now in the Eurobasket Final Four. Uh, you certainly see that with France, Spain. Spain doesn't have any superstars, right? I mean, 
Their leading scorers are Lorenzo Brown, who's playing with Maccabi Tel Aviv this coming season, and Rudy Fernandez, who played in the NBA, you know, a decade ago or so. Um, and you see that, you know, it's primarily European players. Poland has no NBA players on their roster right now. Of course, they're waiting for Soshan to come through, but uh, he is not on that roster. And, and you see what they're doing with the, the European players. In France, there you, do have, there you do have some NBA players, but those NBA players are really very you know, very much, uh, you know, brought, were brought up in the European game and a player like Rudy Gobert, Evan Fournier, uh, you still see they're not a complete team. Uh, and then Germany, uh, where you, you know, definitely have Dennis Schroeder still without a contract going into this coming season, a former Boston Celtic over there. He's uh, been having a spectacular tournament. Uh, Daniel Tice, another, uh, you know, Celtic, Celtic man having a good tournament. But again, those, you know, those players really grew up within the European basketball system. They didn't grow up in the NBA. And uh, that, that's only definitely to, to see that the, the teams that are playing like teams are the ones that made it through here, not the teams that, you know, the teams that had maybe the superstar, if, if it's Luka or Nikola Jokic, um, you know, those aren't the teams that end up making it to the Final Four, which is uh, interesting in itself. When we look at the NBA overall, I know you have the European influence is growing uh, considerably you know you've mm -hmm. just listed a bunch of euro names that are there and a majority of them are one of the elite players on their teams but overall the success rate from europeans that go into the nba to the ones that actually not only carve out a role but thrive it's still quite low right like you get a lot more that bounce out of the league than 16. yeah well that's would, of course what would you put that down to because some I mean, of these guys can crush it in a european game yeah, I mean, I think part of it is, is uh, as they call here in Israel, protexia, protection. The players that know, the guys that have been through the U.S. college system, the guys that have been, you know, that know this person and know that person. The European players don't have the same type of connections that a uh, that an NBA player uh, that went through the college ranks has, and you ha and you see that that's clear. But then again, who have been the last of four MVPs in the NBA? They've yeah. all been European players, so. You know, obviously the cream of the crop when you're looking at Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, Nikola Jokic, and, you know, Luka Doncic, who's going to be an MVP of the NBA, you see those players, the cream rises to the to top. You have those middle-range players that are not going to get the same opportunities that a guy that went through the U.S. college ranks did. It's just not going to happen. The only guys that are going to really see their time are the ones that are drafted you know, lottery picks because they don't want to give up on a, on a lottery pick. An NBA team doesn't want to, you know, they'll go the three years with them. But after three years, if you don't produce, you're gone. Uh, you know, whereas, a, you know, an, an NBA player, college guy, American, uh, may still get that chance going through. Uh, I think that's where you really see the, the differences. And, you know, a guy like Laurie Markkinen played one, one year in Arizona, right? So, you know, he definitely had his year in college made a big difference for him. Uh, he was able to go in and, you know, definitely adapt to the American mentality a little bit better than, say, even a Denny Avdia, who is as American as can get, but still grew up in Israel. And, uh, you know, he's entering his third season with the Washington Wizards, which is, which is critical. Uh, it's a critical year for him. He's got to produce this year. If he doesn't produce, you know, I don't know what's going to be. And when you look at the way the Celts, so you've got Yam or Yamadar that was drafted and stashed, right? So he right. hasn't got that opportunity yet. That pressure isn't mm -hmm. technically on his shoulders. There will be teams around the league that believe that they can develop him into an NBA point guard. 
Do you think he's ready for that jump, or do you think he's still a year or two away? I think he's still a year or two away. I don't think he's anywhere near ready. I think you saw last year that he was definitely light years away from the NBA. It doesn't mean that he doesn't have the caliber and qualities to make the NBA. I just think that he still needs plenty of time really being the lead uh, lead guard with uh, with partisan Belgrade under Zeljko Bradovic, who is arguably the greatest all-time uh, European basketball coach in the history. He's won what, 10 European championships. Um, you know, he rules the roost. Uh, Yum also only played in the Euro Cup last year. You have to remember, he did not play in the Euro League, so he didn't see the best teams. And this year, he's going to see the best teams in Europe, and he's going to see the best players in Europe, and he's going to play a much harder schedule, 34 European games on top of an ABA uh, league, which is also a pretty full league. And, you know, I don't know if they're going to be playing in the local uh, the local Serbian league or not. I know that they, you know, kind of bailed out of, of that last year in the playoffs. You know, usually that's more of a developmental league for some of the younger players. That's not for Yum at this point. But uh, Yum Adar is going to now face the top players in Europe, and he's got to produce. Uh, I think that the, the Celtics uh, are going to be keeping a very keen eye on what he's going to do this year. I think that they, they I don't think that they really, I will say they paid attention to him last year, but I don't think they sent out the scouts en masse to go watch him. Maybe they had their European scouts watch him a game or two here or there, like they would any other prospect they have stashed away. But I think this year is really going to be his year to, uh, to show the Celtics that, yes, either I have it or I don't have it. In my opinion, he has all the calibers. He's flashy. He's, uh, he's run and gun. He's a little bit of street ball player. He's really intelligent. He has good court vision. He is like, you know, you know in the cartoons where you have the guy where he gets rolled over by the steamroll and then pops right back up? That's Yama Nar, okay? Like the guy is skinny, but he is like, you know, six foot three, six foot four. And he's like, you know, just like, like plasticky. He's like, you know, you can stretch him out like the fan, like Mr. Fantastic and the Fantastic Four. He is like, you know, he'll pop right back up and he, he's fun. He's a, he's a fun player to watch. He has, he has the skills to be able to be a, a good player in the NBA. Um, will he get a chance to star in the NBA? That's a totally different story. And, you know, he in Europe could develop into a, a star because he has that glimmer in his eye. He has that attitude. He has that ability to bring the crowd. I, I'll tell you, before the Eurobasket started, there was a media day, and he and Denny Avdia were sitting down, and they were doing, uh, you know, a karaoke uh, to some Israeli singer's songs in front of the whole media. He didn't care. You know, there were 20 of us, Jay, around. all the photographers were videoing it. I think if you go onto my my Twitter feed somewhere and you put in Madar and Avdia, you'll probably see that video pop up. And, you know, it's a couple minutes of them singing. And, you know, that's him, uh, you know, for better or for worse also. And we'll get into some of his uh, you know, places where he has to grow up a little bit. But, um, you know, he has the intangibles. He has the things that you can't teach. And that's what will make him uh, a potential NBA player with the Boston Celtics. And where would you think, like, so you saw him play last season under Obradovich, his first year coming from Israel. Huge step up in caliber of opponent. Where was the biggest holes in his game from that season? Like, what really got exposed as an area that needed to be worked on? Um, you know, just his gameplay, his on the court, uh, the players are faster, they're bigger. That's what he's playing against, especially in the ABA league. You have to understand that the, the Israeli league is an excellent league. It's a fun league. 
it's very similar to the G League, right? Run and gun offense is very hard, guard heavy, uh, fun, exciting, you know, last second shots. Um, you don't, it's not a, a game that's really uh, commanded by the big man. Uh, whereas the ABA league is a league that has a lot of big Serbian players, has a lot of big Croatian players, have a lot of big Slovenian players. Those players are big. Some of them are slow in plotting. Some of them are faster. And just the size, you have to get used to a one is a one, a two is a two, and four and you know four is a four and a five is a five. The NBA definitely doesn't really go by that anymore. But still, your fives are pretty big, right? And you have your fours and fives that are hitting three pointers. Now, when you go into a league like the ABA League, um, all of a sudden you're starting to play against players that have those capabilities. Not to say that Israel doesn't, but primarily Israel is a guard-heavy league. And then when you start playing in the ABA League and you start playing in the Euro Cup where you're playing against more better teams that have bigger players and faster players, uh, it definitely took time for Yum to adjust. His first half season there in uh, in partisan was definitely a learning experience. And I, I don't think anybody expected anything otherwise, including Coach Abradovich. But, and that's why he had a number of point guards on the team. But now Yamadar is going to be, he's going to be given the keys to this team. Abradovich is relying on him. He has one other guard on the team. Yamadar is going to get all the opportunities in the world to produce. This is it. I mean, if Yamadar, this is his chance. Again, he adjusted well. It took him half a season last year. He played extremely well. There were games that he played better than others, and that's you know that's going to be the case this year as well. And that's why I said it may take, even you said, a year to two years. It may still be another couple of years that you see Yamadar in, in the NBA. But he has the caliber. He has the ability to play. He has the body. He has the, the, he has the, the, the savviness. Um, you know, if you compare him to, say, another Israeli point guard like Tamir Blatt, who happens to be David Blatt, the alt, one of the great all-time European coaches, Maccabi Tel Aviv coach, coach LeBron James of the Cleveland Cavaliers, grew up in the Boston area, is from Boston, is an American. Uh, you know, Tamir Blatt is never going to play in the NBA. Uh, he just doesn't have the speed, the quickness. Does he have the court vision? Yes, uh, but he doesn't have the height. Um, and he's, you know, he'll always be a great European guard. Uh, I think that he, he himself grew a lot last year, but he'll never play in the NBA. Yamadar has that has that extra. He has those intangibles to play in the NBA. And one of the things that I kind of always wonder is what, what kind of differentiates in a guy's head between, hey, I can go to the NBA, maybe be a third guard in a rotation, or if I'm fortunate, maybe become the first guard off the bench, or I can stay in Europe and be an like one of the elite, get paid better, more playing time, there's obviously brand opportunities in countries across Europe where basketball still is a huge sport and a huge part of the culture. What changes these guys' minds to be like, no, I want to try the NBA. Is it just to test their skills against the best? Or do are people just like, man, I, I want to go to America because the opportunities that could come even after the NBA, if I don't make it, bigger teams might be interested across Europe in picking me up. I mean, I think that those are, you know, definitely examples of why somebody would want to go to the NBA. There's no question. Uh, it's an opportunity to be seen uh, against the top players in the world. You're going to be in arenas with, you know, 15 to 20,000 people every game. That's not the case in any of, you know, 99% of the European uh, basketball. You're going to be on the, you know, potential to be on the front pages of uh, the newspapers, uh, sports sections. You have the opportunities. There's also lots of business opportunities. 
as well. I mean, you look at Omri Caspi, who spent 10 years in the NBA. He's back in the States right now. He has all kinds of investments. He was meeting with a former teammate, Steph Curry. I mean, you know, he was, you know, though, you know, when he puts up a picture of him and Steph Curry all over social media yesterday, um, and, you know, and he's with some, you know, high flying uh, people that are investors, well, that means a lot. Now, you know, if you can carve out an eight, 10 year NBA career, you know, look at the money that you're going to get. I mean, that's just, even at the minimum salary, you have an opportunity. Uh, and that also sp speaks volumes if you're, you know, going to eventually also come back to your country or go back to Europe, if you really put in that time. You have players like Sergio Yule, plays for Real Madrid, never went to the NBA, could have played in the NBA. I've asked him numerous times, why did he go to the NBA? And he says, I had everything I ever wanted at Real Madrid. Uh, he has a decent salary. He has a, you know, a leading role. Obviously, he's getting older now and just, you know, not as influential as he once was, but still, boy, did he rip the hearts out of Maccabi Tel Aviv fans in the playoffs last year with three after three after three. But he could have played in the NBA 10 times over. Uh, but then again, he didn't want to come, you know, go take the chance to come back. Rudy Fernandez, I mean, he had an okay NBA career, right? But, you know, obviously his, his uh, European career is far spectacular than his NBA career ever was. And I think you see that with tons of players that, you know, tried if it's Gigi Tatome, was obviously a much uh, more influential player in Italy and, and uh, now for, uh, you know, Milano. Uh, Sergio Rodriguez, who played in the NBA for, you know, he had a cup of coffee. And uh, he's also a, a huge player. But then you also have players like Ricky Rubio, right, that really yeah. became a, a, a legitimate uh, guard in the NBA. And it just, unfortunately, he got hurt, you know, in the middle of last year. He was, he was off to an amazing season with the Cavaliers, but the Cavaliers were so quick to re-sign him this summer, uh, even though he may not start the season because he's still a little bit, uh, still coming back from that injury. So, you know, to me, Ricky Rubio was a perfect example of somebody that, that can make it. So, you know, I think it's a combination. I think the majority of guys want to try to go play against the, big, the best players in the world and then see how they stack up against them. And then they can always go back to Europe from there. I mean, you know, you're, not, you're never going to hurt your value, right? You're no, never going to, you're, you're never going to hurt your value. Who's going to hurt your value? You know, if you're a European player and you have a chance to go to the NBA, like Gabriel Deck, another perfect example, right? He was signed at the end of the season by the Oklahoma City Thunder because they had they needed to spend the money or else they would have had to pay a penalty anyways. They signed him to a big five-year non-guaranteed contract, blah, blah, blah. He had his chance. He had his cup of coffee, and uh, then he came back to Europe. You know, no harm, no foul. He made, he made a boatload of money in a few months that he played there. And not only that, he got to see what it's like to be in a professional organization like the Oklahoma City Thunder. Not to say Real Madrid is not a professional organization. It's one of the top, if not the top, in Europe. And he went to go back to play for a, a team that went to the finals last year. So, you know, it, it, the, you're going to see now uh, Facundo Campazzo probably come back, right? The, the talk is already, you know, heated up that he's going to come back. But you know what? Great. He made a, he made a couple million bucks, uh, got injured, going to come back, probably be a starring player again for Real Madrid. So what do you have to lose? You have nothing to lose. You've got some players that chose to come back as well. Tadosic chose to come back. Nikola Miritic chose you right. know, had NBA offers on the table and mm -hmm. decided, no, I prefer the the role that I'm going to have in Europe. And he's being right. very successful in Barcelona. Mm -hmm. When you're talking to Jan, when like you've had discussions with him, where's his mindset right now on I'm getting to the NBA? Is it his sole focus or that's a sole focus? So it's it's sole focus, Jan Madar, is to get to the NBA. There is no question. He made that crystal clear 
uh, to me uh, over the last few weeks. I mean, he mentioned it also in the interviews. He made it, you know, on the record, off the record. His goal is to make the NBA. That is number one goal. And, um, you know, obviously he'd love it to be with the Celtics, but the Celtics could also package him. I heard there were some rumors that they were considering packaging him in a trade even. Uh, but his goal is to play in the NBA. There is no question. Now, Adam, I was at his house when he was selected in the second round of the 2020 draft. Do you know what, how emotional? I'm getting goosebumps right now talking about it. you know what emotional moment that was? And um, there's a great picture also you can find on my, my Twitter feeds of Yamadar and his father, Zohar, uh, embracing my son. One of my sons is a, two of my sons are photographers. Uh, and we were there at the house at the moment he was drafted. And you see them embracing, locking heads. And there's that picture, and I'll even send it to you a little later so you can take a really good look at it. Uh, it was emotional. Do you know what it was like? You know what it's like being in the home of a player that, you know, there was talk, maybe he was going to be drafted, maybe not. You're talking about 6,000 miles away in, in Israel. And this was also after Denny Avdia had been selected ninth overall by the Washington Wizards. We were all at his he had a huge draft party. That was going on in like this, you know, club in Tel Aviv that, you know, there were different rules, obviously, for Corona during the time period. But, you know, we, uh, you know, we were all there from that. And then I, I said to my, my photographer's son, I said, listen, I said, let's drive now to Yamadar's house because it was now like near the end of the first round. I said, let's see what's going to go on over there. I said, it's on the way back to Jerusalem anyways. It was, you know, for us, it was like 4 or 5 a.m. And we, you know, we took that little detour and went over there. And it was one of the greatest moments. It was pure joy um, to be selected by an NBA team at that moment. And then to get a phone call from the, uh, the Celtics brass. I think Brad Stevens called him when we were in the house. Um, it was amazing. I mean, it was like a moment that we got to interview him right there. And he, he was like, he's, he was like a kid in, in a candy store. I mean, this was. And again, if you if you go back to some of those those tweets, you'll see some of the these interviews that we did. I think live even. I mean, it was just amazing. He he didn't know what to do with himself. I mean, can you imagine? He was a kid from a small little town in Israel that got drafted to the NBA by the Boston Celtics. It was an amazing moment, and it was an amazing moment for him that had put in all those times all his trainers that had worked with him and his father that had you know his parents that had supported him. But to be there for that moment, Adam, was uh, you know, one of the greatest moments. And, and the emotion, uh, any NBA team would be very lucky to have Yamadar uh, suit up for them and to go on the court. And he has no fear. And I don't think I mentioned that earlier. He has no fear. He doesn't care. He'll get reamed out by Obradovich on the bench. And Obradovich is one of the greatest, you know, uh, greatest guys for a video of ripping players. He ripped Gigi Tatomi apart when he was at Fenerbahce one of the you know, viral moments of uh, European basketball a couple of years ago. And, um, you know, he has no fear. He'll, you know, he has his truth, Yamadar. He's going to go with that truth, um, you know, for better or for worse also. I mean, he has his beliefs, and those will sometimes, uh, you know, just be different than that of, uh, that of a coach. But uh, the coach is respected for that, that he has that, uh, he has that swagger. You know, the NBA is a league of players that have swagger, and Yamadar has that. When he came back from his first trip to Summer League, you know, he's super excited, he's been drafted, it's full of emotion, and now it's a whirlwind, right? You gotta get on a plane, get out to Las Vegas, meet the coaches. 
what was his impression of the yeah. step of being there in that step up against the talent that he faced in that first year? That was thrilling. I mean, I, we were we were the media was invited to a media day. He had literally almost just landed back from Vegas, right? Because everything was messed up because of the corona. And I got to, and you know, it was interesting. He didn't really, you know, he gave these very uh, bl bland answers. That was interesting. It was good. He gave very media savvy answers. And then afterwards, I pulled him over. I said, "Yum." I said, "Come on." I said, "Man, I was there when you were drafted." Tell me, he says, Josh, it was amazing. He says, you don't understand. He says, like, you walk into a, a, you know, an organization that is like light years ahead of anything that I've ever experienced. You walk in and you're playing against players that are, you know, that are drafted, that are, you know, looking for the same thing that you are. And you are all of a sudden seeing some of the star players that are, you know, floating in and out. He said it was just, it was, you know, breathtaking. I mean, it was just, it takes your breath away. It was just unbelievable. And I remember how emotional he was. And we were talking about this because, you know, as me as, an, as a North American, um, you know, I, I can really relate to what he's saying because I've been, I've, I was season ticket holder for the New York Knicks for, you know, a decade. I was season ticket holder for the Rangers. Uh, you know, I've been uh, the Yankees. I mean, sorry, sorry for all those uh, Boston <laughs> fans out there. I lived in New York for a bunch of years, uh, but um but yeah, I mean, like I was there. I still have my Celtics hat on, so it's okay. But you know, um, you you feel it. I mean, you he was just blown away by the experience, and he knew he had a lot to work on. You know, there was no question. And he spent another year in Israel, uh, and then this past season in in Partisan, and he'll spend another season in Partisan, and and we'll see how this year develops. I'm still not convinced he's going to be ready to go next year. Uh, I, I still think he needs two years. I. Uh, that's not to say he may blow me away uh, and he may be ready, but, um, you know, I, I like the steps that he took in the Eurobasket. He really at times took, uh, the bull by the horns and really dictated the offense. He was their best player at times because Denny played hurt in the last few games of that, uh, Eurobasket tournament. And even though they were playing together, like, you know, Yum was definitely taking a big load of that. Um, got to be happy. If you're a Celtics fan and want to see Yamadar play for your team, you've got to be really happy with his developments. And uh, you got to like him. I mean, he's just, he's a cool dude. He's just really cool. He's just a likable kid. And again, I think the fact that he, you know, says what's on his mind sometimes uh, is good. I think that that is good. And I think that is an NBA characteristic. It may not be so much of a European characteristic, but it's certainly an NBA characteristic. And those that push themselves and try to strive to be the best that they can be are the ones that succeed. And I, I see success written all over Yamadar in the years to come. When you're saying he needs another year or two, I agree. And I think that a, a big part of that is allowing his body to develop more. Mm -hmm. Just growing into that frame, right? As you said earlier, he's wiry, he's kind of elasticated. And a year or two, his body's going to fill out. He's going to add strength. He's going to add muscle naturally as well as through his training regime. Mm -hmm. And then you look at Abudovic. Now, is would you say Obradovich is a player development coach as much as he is a just a winning coach? Yes, for sure, hundred percent. And that that is why Yamadar, when he had the opportunity, a when he had the opportunity to go work under Obradovich, and b the fact that Obradovich wanted him. I mean, you put the two and two together, and it's a match made in heaven. And Obradovich has been doing this his whole career. 
we look back to other Israeli great guards. I don't know if this name means anything to you, but Oded Katash, right? When he's now the coach of Maccabi Tel Aviv. Uh, I don't know if the American listeners will remember him. But back in 1999 in the summer, right before the, uh, the lockout, he had signed a contract to play with the New York Knicks coming from Maccabi Tel Aviv. He was young. Uh, he was passionate. And because of the lockout, he ended up signing a contract with Maccabi. Then he ended up going play. He ended up playing for Abradovich at Panathinaikos. And, uh, you know, he developed. He helped Oded Tatash develop even further. Unfortunately, Tatash at 25 had to retire from the game with severe knee injuries, uh, which is really super un- unfortunate. But he's become a top-of-the-line uh, coach here now, and it's coached abroad as well. Um, you know, Bradovich is doing this his whole career, so you can dial it back 20-plus years, t- 25, 23 years, and he's been working with Israeli point guards. So he knows the Israeli attitude. He knows the Israeli mentality. And the fact that he's been working for so many years in this business also shows that Obradovich, as tough as he can be, and as, uh, you know, sometimes we look at him as draconian, perhaps, he really isn't. He is a player's coach. He understands the future of these players. He knows why they're coming to him. Uh, Yes, he can go over the top occasionally in his uh, press conferences and on the sidelines when he's, uh, you know, um, speaking to his players or yelling at his players. But he is an incredible coach. And the fact that he's still doing what he's doing for, you know, 20 something years later, doing the same work, meaning that he's still winning and he's still developing players, really shows you how much Yamadar is also benefiting from this man's experience. I feel like I butchered Obradovich's name. I was calling him Obradovich. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. Uh, it's, it's tough, man. Everyone's got different pronunciation. Uh, yeah. so, so when we're looking, um, we'll wrap up on this as well. We, uh, earlier in the show, you said you felt like there was a few areas where Yam needed to, to mature before making that leap as well. Obviously, we've just hit the physical side. We've talked about his playing side. So personality-wise, what are the areas you're kind of like, hey, you really need to shore this up before you make that move over to where the spotlight shines brightest? Yeah, I think you hit, you hit the points. A, he still needs to put a little bulk on his body. His game still has to be refined. And he still has to mature. There's no question. Like, on one hand, it's great to say what you want to say, right? And that that's great. And I think that's an NBA characteristic. You also have to sometimes know your place where to say things. And uh, that's fine. Um, you know, he just, he still needs to mature in that aspect. He's learning. I don't know if partisan Belgrade is the greatest place to learn that side of the, uh, you know, that side of being a professional. Like, it's good to say things that are on your mind, right? But you also have to be balanced as to, you know, when to know to say those things. And, you know, he, you know, he could be a little critical sometimes. And, and he says what's on his mind. Again, I look at that as a good characteristic in a lot of aspects because, you know what you're getting with him. Danny Avdia certainly said what was on his mind at the Eurobasket. But of course, Danny Avdia isn't in the NBA right now. And, you know, he there was a play at the end of uh, the first game, at uh, the end of regulation, where it was 87-87. Gal Mechel, who had played in the NBA uh, and has played across Europe, is 34, 35 years old, veteran guard. Um, you know, he there was a play that was certainly designed for Danny. He had the ball and I don't know if Gal blew him off or Gal decided he had the better opportunity. And he ended up taking the ball to the basket and he missed. And then he was visibly upset. I mean, he was throwing a tantrum on the court. I mean, he was like throwing his arms up and, and you know, we could see it. I mean, and if they would have lost, that would have been a, a moment. They ended up winning 89-87. It really wasn't that close because 
they, they were winning by more with a few seconds left. Uh, but afterwards, we asked Denny, both the Hebrew media and then the Serbian media, because of course Denny's Serbian roots, about his uh, about his reaction. And he said, well, I'm not going to say anything right now because of the way it finished, but if it would have finished differently, I don't know. Now, you know, Denny Abdiya can say that as a, you know, going into his third year in the NBA, uh, Yamadar may not be able to say such a thing. And I'm not saying he did, he didn't, but he definitely, you know, could still have. has to, he, he could have said certain things. He's, you know, he definitely was a little critical. He was uh, critical in, in a podcast before the Eurobasket as to the, the team selection. Uh, he was critical in some of the uh, uh, mixed zone comments also about, uh, about the team, about how they played. Um, you know, but again, that's him. Uh, I think he'll learn. I think that comes with the business also. He'll learn. I think he'll learn. Um, and again, I, I think he'll be fine. I think the fact that you have a guy that cares so much is what you want than a guy that doesn't care, right? You yeah. want a guy, you want a guy that's going to go to the Boston Garden or whatever they call it these days, TD Boston Garden. Um, you know, you want him to step on the floor and, and care. Yamadar cares. He really cares. And that is crucial. And I think that, you know, he was brought up extremely well, uh, a good family, good people around him, good professionals. I think you're going to have the whole package there. But like we said, I don't know if it's next year, but in two years, he should be ready. He should be ready to roll. Could be. Maybe next year he goes in the summer league and, you know, he just really impresses. Um, but again, there, there's certain areas that he still has to work on, and I'm sure he will. I, I have no doubt. Knowing Yamadar and and such a good, good kid that he is. He's just a good kid. In Yiddish, we say he's a mensch. And I say the same thing about Denny. These guys are good kids. They were brought up well. They're not going to give you problems. You know, they're not going to cause off-court problems. And that's, you know, that and that in today's NBA, that's also critical, right? You don't want to have guys that are going to cause problems. They are not causing problems. These guys are good, good kids. And they will. They will really take the opportunity, and I think if Young does get the opportunity to wear the, you know, Boston Celtics uniform, he will he will take that with pride and and treat that with the highest utmost respect, and uh, and really make uh, Boston Celtics fans and Israelis and and fans of his around Europe very proud at him. And will you be trying to cover him in Boston as well? Will you be making some trips? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No question. I mean, just as we cover Denny Avdia. Uh, for example, it's his third season. We have somebody, sportsrabbi.com, which is both English and Hebrew. If you go to sportsrabbi.com, you'll see it will lead you to a Hebrew website. If you see the English tab, hit the English tab, and you'll see plenty of English articles. If you want to read some of the Hebrew stuff, there's it's there's unique content on either side. Uh, the Hebrew website just focuses solely on basketball. We do not cover anything else in Hebrew, only basketball. In English, I do cover soccer. Uh, baseball is you know Israelis, Jews abroad, so we have all different types of stuff uh, about you know Israelis and, and Jews that are playing throughout the world. Um, so if you you know run some of the Yamadar articles in Hebrew that may not be in English through like a Google Translate, you should be able to get the sense of there's tons of interviews and great stuff over there. And just like we cover him with somebody on the ground in Washington, we will do the same with Yamadar. We have somebody in Washington, Neil Dalal who covers for us, uh, Denny Avdia. So, and we've done that from day one. Literally, the minute he was drafted by the Washington Wizards, I was already sending out messages to tons of people I knew in the D.C. area uh, that work with journalists or journalists that knew somebody that would be able to exclusively give us content as well. So, 
we will have somebody on the ground in Boston if Yamadar does play eventually for the Boston Celtics. That that is in that is in the sports rabbi's budget. That I can assure you. And if any of the listeners want to follow this content, especially this season where it is hard to keep up with everything going on in Europe, because it's just sometimes it feels like it's very inaccessible. Where can they find you? So again, sportsrabbi.com is the best place. Uh, again, Hebrew English, and then also at the Sports Rabbi Twitter. Facebook, Instagram. Uh, I'm on there. I'm very active on Twitter in English and in Hebrew. Uh, Facebook is really primarily Hebrew. In uh, Instagram is also almost all Hebrew, but there is English content there. Plenty of English content there as well. So those are the three places. Um, we also have an app. We just released an app for Apple, iTunes. It's in the App Store and also on Android. That was released right before the Eurobasket and Celebration. So you can pick up the app. Uh, it's both in English and in Hebrew. Uh, and we'll be covering Yamadar the whole season uh, as well from Israel. And I'm hoping to make a trip out to uh, to Belgrade. It's uh, tentatively slated for November right now. So uh, we'll see if uh, everything uh, if everything works out well and I, I can make that trip. But that's uh, tentatively on the schedule to be in Belgrade to uh, to see Partisan and Red Star in the month of November. And we'll uh, we'll go from there. Uh, should be a lot of fun, uh, a lot of lot of excitement, a lot of fun. And if you want to learn more about Israeli sports, uh, you know, feel free to you know check us out. Awesome, everybody. Uh, first of all, I'm, I'm going to be rude. Then, thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, I think that there's a lot to like about Yam, but I, as I say, I think there is a lot that's inaccessible. So it's nice to get kind of a backstory and then know where he stands and where he's going to be coming from. And that is obviously be playing under. I'm not even going to say that name again. Abradovich. Yeah, uh, you got it. Yeah. <laughs> Who I like to call the Greg Popovich of the Euro League. Um, and yeah, every- yeah, you can say so. Yeah. And everybody who's listening, you will catch us again on Monday, back to the usual schedule. Again, Josh, thank you very much, man. It's a super cool interview. And it's, uh, it's always fun when I get to speak Euro hoops because it doesn't happen very often. A lot of fun. We should do this again during the season. Hopefully, Yum's going to be ripping it up there in partisan and, uh, we have uh, some happy and good stuff to report. Uh, and I see no reason why there won't be. So, Adam, a pleasure. Thanks for having me on board. No worries, man. Thank you very much. And we'll definitely do like a mid-season check-in. Great. Ain't disrespecting you haters. I ain't sweating your opinion. Y'all been testing my patience. Never did it for a check. I've been impressed with the famous. Just rather be creative than stressing my wages. Ageless every time I lay a verse down. One play at a time. Keep it moving like a first down. And at the end of the day, I can say that I made this. MJ never made it to the majors. Still, he chased greatness. Expected that he might fail. And I might too. I might never get to pop champagne. Celebrating with the crew. This ain't everything I am. It's something that I do.